I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons about. Let's hang out. And let's listen to two lesbians shout. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Welcome to Les Hangout, a podcast that's here, it's queer, and it's full of Christmas cheer. Dude, you're stealing my lines. Oh, I stole your line. <laughs> I can give you that line if you really want I just wanted to wanted. say it so badly. Sorry, you do it. <laughs> you can have it. Take two. You're all set. You're good. Welcome to Les Hangout, a podcast that's here, it's queer, and it's full of Christmas cheer. From the East Coast out in Boston, I'm your co-host, Ellie Brigida. And now on the West Coast, I'm your co-host, Lee Holmes Foster. Welcome to episode eight, our second installment of Les Centrals. Les Centrals is our recurring segment where we are going to dive into classic lesbian movies or shows, just the lesbian things that everyone needs to see or have seen or see again. For this Les Centrals episode, we're doing a breakdown of what I think is the closest we have to a lesbian Christmas movie. That's right. We're talking Carol. For those of you who don't know Carol or who have seen Carol and don't know much about it, it is a 2015 film, uh, and it was an adaptation of the novel The Price of Salt, written by Patricia Highsmith, and it was directed by Todd Haynes. It stars Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, and a quick blurb description of the film is an aspiring photographer develops an intimate relationship with an older woman in 1950s New York. Which is, I think, the least accurate description of a movie, and yet the most accurate description of a movie that I've ever heard. Yes, it has nothing to do with the film. Like, I don't even really care that she's a photographer, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, who cares? But at the Intimate same time... relationship, yes. At the same time, and because I think we talked about this 
that is all that happens in the movie because it's a movie where nothing happens and yet it's two hours long and you can't stop watching it and you can't stop watching it again Um, and it's going to become our Christmas go-to I think for a lot of us so with that being said uh, let's take it away on Carol and Carol is a film that makes it very easy because we start full circle at the end Um, I don't know whether to call this a flash forward or everything else a flashback uh, but we open with our what's going to be our final scene. We will see this scene again. Um, and what I love about this scene when we see it the first time is uh, we see Therese almost entirely from the back. So we don't actually see her face for most of the scene, um, which is going to be important. I'm going to talk about Therese and how she's filmed a lot in this. So there you go. That's that's my comment on the opening scene. We'll talk about it a little bit more when it happens at the end of the movie. Beautiful. I just like to talk about the credits. I'm just going to talk about what this movie is about for me, which is Sarah Paulson, (laughs) uh, the real star of Carol. Literally, when I saw her name in the credits, let out a lesbian gasp. (gasps) Sarah Paulson. I think you let out a couple lesbian gasps while we watched this. Yeah. Yeah. And most of them had to do with Sarah Paulson. So started right (laughs) from the beginning. See, meanwhile, I am going to talk about the other thing that happened during the credits, which I think is very important. And I'm going to preface this by saying uh, this is going to happen a lot in this breakdown of this movie. I am not a film critic, (laughs) nor have I ever really studied film or cinematography or anything. Uh, My PhD in chemistry did not include an awful lot of detailed critical watching of films. But um, what I love in the opening credits uh, is... They're, they keep flashing to these train set scenes, right? All the little people, all the little figurines mm-hmm. in the train set scenes. Uh, my grandfather had a set of trains that he, like, built up. They had this giant room in their basement, and he uh, spent, like, basically my, my entire life that I can remember building this train set scene. And it was amazing and detailed and intricate and, like, way too complicated for uh, everything about it. In terms of what it means for its relevance to me in this movie and what it means uh, about Therese is... That thing never changed, you know? So I remember when I was, like, a kid, like, a little kid, going to my grandparents' house and going to that basement and seeing, you know, some of the scenes that he had set up where he had, uh, like, a guy spying on, like, a neighboring company, like, out in a field with a cow. And it's, like, that guy and that cow. Wait, I'm sorry. What, why was that the choice of the scene? So, I mean, he had so many little, co- like, really detailed, like, stories about these people that he built um, and so one of the places was a bat company, like a like a wooden bat company. Baseball bat. Baseball mm-hmm. bat, yeah. And, softball uh, bat. <laughs> obviously <laughs> softball bat. And so he just decided that they were testing out baseball bats in the field behind their company. So there's like, you know, like people, like dudes playing a game of baseball. Um, and there's this one guy who's like out on the outskirts of the field where like all the cows are um, with a pair of binoculars. And he was there to like spy on their baseball bat testing. Yeah. Obviously, That's what he was doing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that was there like my entire life and it never changed. Right. And so when when I went to see that thing when I was six and when I went to see it when I was, you know, 25, that guy was there with the cow and the binoculars spying <laughs> on the baseball bat company. And it's just I think that's so important here, because I think what we're doing is we're really setting the stage, especially in some of these opening scenes for how static Trey's life is and how fake it is, right? That you just have these little fake quaint lives and these little fake quaint people with their painted on smiles. And I think that that's going to inform a lot about her journey through this movie. So 
That's a very unnecessarily long explanation of the credit sequence brought to you by Lee's Not a Film Critic. You're welcome. I do love it, though, because speaking of fake relationships, it sort of brings us into Therese and the Boyfriend. Mm. And there's this scene of them on a bike. She is so far away from him (laughs) that I just I was like, all right, first scene set up. Girl does not want to be anywhere near her boyfriend right now. Farther away than one should physically be able to get while on a single bike. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like she was going to fall off. She would rather fall off the bike than touch him. And can I tell you, in my notes, (laughs) in my notes, I think I literally wrote boyfriend because I didn't get his name until like five scenes into the movie. (laughs) I didn't know. I forgot what his character's name was. And I just kept calling him like on the bike with boyfriend. Yeah, I I did BF, you know, kept it short and sweet, but (laughs) same thing. But we don't need to spend too much time on Richard, the boyfriend. Then we go to the department store scene, and I feel like second favorite character besides Sarah Paulson (laughs) is this guy who's giving out the Christmas hats, okay? So he's there and he's like, compliments of the season from management, compliments of the season from management. Also, why did that scene have to go on for so long? He said it 25 times. He says it a lot. (laughs) Oh my God. If we were going to put that in the drinking game, you could get someone toasted just by saying, (gasps) drink every time you hear the phrase compliments of the season from management. All right. It's in the drinking game. (laughs) And uh, this was immediately followed by, I mean, Lee knows that she said this, but I want to share this with our audience. (laughs) She just goes, the 50s were boring as shit, huh? (laughs) To be fair, this all takes so long in the movie. Nothing happens. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing has happened yet. We've we've met like one character. We know nobody's name. And all we know is one guy really likes handing out Santa hats. So that's fine. We're 38 minutes into the movie at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So boring. But finally, things start to happen. Oh, yes. We see... Carol. (laughs) So exciting. Making her big debut. Her big debut. And of course you have that classic movie moment, the like across the room stare. I just want to say, how many times does that actually happen? In real life or in movies? In real life. Like if I'm looking at someone from across a room or something, right? They hold that stare for a really long time. Like at (laughs) at a certain point, I get really uncomfortable and I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going to keep looking at you. Never mind. I I wasn't. I was looking at something else. (laughs) Like who does that? I get that. But also at the same time, what I love about this is there is an entire crowded department store of people. And Therese is just like, boop, 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 Oh man, right on the money with that. She is like, yep, you, I have, oh, I have zeroed in on my target and it is you over there in the jaunty, uh, tip tap. So there you go. Yeah. She really, her gaydar was on point. I'll give it to, I'll give it to Therese. Uh, so Carol comes up to her and Therese is basically like, what do you want from me? Assuming that she wants something besides for her to do her job. You know what I mean? I'm like, you, you work at this department store. This woman is not coming up to you. For no reason, except she sort of is coming up to her because she's a lesbian. But come on. Like, she's like, oh, why are you here? Like, you, you're you working. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like so spacey. I can't. She is. But also, I think it's enough to me. It's just it's another great example of Teresa's there. She's surrounded by these dolls, by these train sets, by all of this just, you know, kind of happy fake life. Um, and I lo- and she has this one line where she offers to go help Carol, but she can't because I'm confined to this desk. And I'm like, oh, my God, could you be any more blatant about the point you were trying to make? I'm so You are trapped. confined in your life, Therese Bellavette. We understand. <laughs> I'm trapped in my sexuality. It's so hard. Yes. 
hard. You know, if anyone's going to give you a sexual awakening, I feel like Carol does a pretty good job. Oh, man, does she ever. She's so bold, right? And her flirtatious line is, I like the hat. Like, ooh. <laughs> and it's the dorkiest Christmas hat ever. And it's compliments of the management, did you know? Yeah, I I haven't heard that. She does compliment the hat, and then... In what we are never really given the answer to, is it on purpose, is it an accident? Mm. Dun, 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 the plot thickens. She leaves her gloves behind. You know that was on purpose. Like, Car- <laughs> Carol knows what she's doing. She, she's I got mean, it. Carol's not short on moves, as we're going to discuss in this mm. movie, so it's probably on purpose. And, of course, Therese finds the gloves and obsesses over the gloves for a little bit, but... While she's obsessing over the gloves, first she goes out on a movie outing to sit in a crowded projection room and watch a movie with her boyfriend, Ooh, and all of his friends, yeah. even more Ooh, and go to drinks with them. The one thing I do want to say here is I just, I love the filming of this because I feel like every time they film her and Richard, it is. Whether it's them on the bike with her being as far away as possible, them in this projection room where it's like as claustrophobic feeling as you can make a scene feel. There's just nothing that ever feels comfortable or wanted about her and any Mm. scene with Richard in it. Richard. Which I think he summarizes for us pretty nicely when they're at drinks and he says something about her being more excited about a chintzy camera than sailing with me to Europe because... Boy, is she ever, Richard. Get a get a clue, buddy. Dude, no one wants to go to Europe with you. Get over it. <laughs> Ugh, I she can't. She really doesn't. But you know where she does want to go? To lunch with Carol. Oh, Ooh. my lord, does she. Who takes the store girl to lunch? That is a bold, bold move. <laughs> like, all she had to do was take the gloves. She didn't need to take her yes! to lunch. A, she doesn't need to call the store. Does, I think we talked about this while we were watching this scene, right? Like, is this a normal thing that people used to do? Like, oh, a store returned my department gloves. Let me call them, find out the employee by name, yeah. and thank them and invite them to lunch the next day. Like, that's not a normal thing. No. And they go to lunch, and then what's awkward about their lunch is the first thing that they have to do when they sit down is literally tell each other their names. They don't know each other's first First or last names, right? Yep. (laughs) You're just at lunch with a complete stranger. Then Carol obsesses over her name, like, Therese, not Teresa. This is the most interesting conversation they'll ever have. (laughs) Oh, that's so exciting that you have an E instead of an A at the end of your name. I love Carol, but like, Carol is the most unattractive name ever. Oh, I'm a super hot woman and my name is Carol. (laughs) (laughs) No. Hey, in the 50s, that might have been a real hit name. I mean, it also doesn't help that, you know, I think the way she says Therese's name, I mean, could you get any sultrier than mm. Therese Bellevet? And she's so, I mean, it, you know, she just crushes that name. So, oh, yeah. We got to throw some 1950s heteronormativity in there. And Therese says, I'm sure you thought it was a man who sent you the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> because women can't use the post office? Like, I don't Yes. I'm confused. But I love, I mean, Carol is just, man, she is on point with these, right? She immediately turns that back around. She's like, well, I doubt very much I would have gone to lunch with him. Yeah, because you're not interested in taking a dude to lunch. We get it. I think Teresa's starting to get it. (laughs) Yeah, because it's followed by the longest stare ever. (laughs) Definitely part of the drinking game. There are so many stares, just these long, intense stares. I started timing them. This stare went on for 20 seconds. (laughs) 
Like you do, like you do at any casual lunch with a stranger you've just met, just stare into each other's eyes deeply yep. and passionately. I mean, it's fine. Because, of course, I think it fits with what they proceed to have the least casual lunch conversation with a stranger that I've ever heard, where it's like, hi, my name is Therese. Oh, my name is Carol. Do you want to marry your boyfriend? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> and then also, um, would you like to go on another date with me two days later? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's the most ridiculous progression of a conversation that I think I've ever heard. It all, it's so fast. It's like rapid fire. They're just one right after the yep. other. And Therese has some real, still has some real key moments of, you know, pretty pointedly explaining our plot here of Carol ordering lunch and Therese saying, I'll have the same, uh, you know, of the drink or the meal. Oh, all of it, you know. Everything, yeah. I don't I don't make decisions. And then the response of, do you want to marry your boyfriend, is, I barely even know what to order for lunch. I mean, we're sort of getting a very clear picture painted for us uh, of our dear Therese Bellavent oh, here. God. So, yeah, it is, it's possibly the best first lunch date ever. Ever. In the history of anything ever. The dialogue could just go. Like, they, they never are saying anything. Like, everything they mean, they're not saying. Which yes. I think is also beautiful. And yet, at the same time, Carol always says what she means. Even when she shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> even when she probably shouldn't say it. She somehow always does. Speaking of lesbian tropes, the most classic lesbian thing happens after the lunch. Go on a lunch date with my new girl and get picked up by my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Ah, uh, Sarah Paulson making her big entrance to this film and to our hearts. Uh, and I wrote in my notes, just seeing the back of her head and I'm dying. Uh, I was just so happy that she joined us, you know? Finally. It, it, it is a classic moment. Also, if we're going to talk about lesbian tropes, my favorite thing is I definitely have in my notes from when we watched this that uh, during this scene of Sarah, of Sarah Paulson picking her up from the lunch date, um, I was worried that you could hear in the background in my garage my wife using our table saw <laughs> at the time, which I think is like the gayest note I've ever taken. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> honestly, that's pretty gay. And I unfortunately didn't hear it. So I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Now, you know. <laughs> Now we know. Well, I think some other stuff happens, but we're going to jump to the next scene that I want to say something is when Therese is at the office of the New York Times with the guy, also the guy that she just met. I mean, she just met this dude when they were out at drinks the other night. It's like a friend's brother, cousin, friend, I don't even know, friend of a friend, something played by an actor that I don't know his name, but I refer to him as turn of the century Italian dude, because I think that's what he does. He just shows up in movies to play uh, kind of old-timey Italian guy. And they have this really great conversation about how people just have affinities for different people, and we're sort of starting to lay the groundwork of Therese realizing maybe what's been missing in her life mm-hmm. this whole time. I think they relate the affinities to people being pinballs or something, like bouncing off yes. of other pinballs. Yeah. And this is another Lee quote. Lee goes, some pinballs <laughs> just happen to be gay pinballs. <laughs> And some of them are, you know. Some of them are. And Therese is one of those gay pinballs, you know. (laughs) Some of us are just gay little pinballs making our way through this world, okay? (laughs) I want a t-shirt with gay pinballs on it. (laughs) And what should be a beautiful gay pinball moment is instead ruined because turn-of-the-century Italian dude has to go all gross and Mm -hmm. try to stick his mouth on Therese's mouth, um, which she has no interest in, and neither do any of us. Nope. Um, I feel like that entire scene, like all that I could think as we're watching it is I was like, this is the problem with when dudes are like, it was a different generation. Yes. Oh, gross. 
generation. Don't mm. do that shit. You yeah. just met this girl. She's dating your friend. Why would you try to kiss her? But he does, and it's gross. So let's wrap up the New York Times office <laughs> yeah, scene. Let's focus New on York gay Times. pinballs. <laughs> and let's instead jump to a beautiful, beautiful first, well, no, second? Second date? Second date? Yeah. Meet cute. Lunch date. Second date. Second date is not low-key. Second date is come over to my house. We have to drive to New Jersey and spend the whole day with me. Uh, and I love how th- they kick it off, too, with by making Teresa's boyfriend, like, see her off for her date with another woman. I mean, it's just classic. Oh, my God. Yeah, and she's, he's like, where are you going? Oh, just going to Jersey to be a lesbian. See you. Like, <laughs> what? And she is bouncing out of her own skin in excitement. Like, she could not be any more excited. Mm-hmm. And then her boyfriend says, I love you. And she just <laughs> dead silences him. It was the most <laughs> awkward thing I've ever heard. Uh, okay. Also, I want to take another note to mention that this is also the point during our watching, during uh, you and I watching this movie, that you started getting random texts from some girl that you didn't even know on your phone. Anyways, oh my God. just throwing that out there. I have lots of notes on what happened while we watched this movie that you all need to know about. You're welcome, listeners. Wait, yes. I started uh. getting these texts from this girl who said, Hey, love, I would love to spend some time with you when you get back to Boston. <laughs> you didn't know who it was. I mean, at first, you figured it out. I, I figured it out. But <laughs> the worst thing is I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this girl? Did I meet her out? realized she's one of my friends from college i just didn't have her number so it's not even a weird thing it was kind of classic yeah it was a priceless moment in our carol viewing experience yep um and it just happened to take place right before our two little lovebirds going to buy some christmas trees therese looking longingly on and photographing carol Mm. um as she picks out a tree and Boy, does Therese ever know what she wants for Christmas, Mm. man. She knows what she wants under that tree, wrapped or unwrapped. Preferably unwrapped. (laughs) We'll get there. Patience. It's a a two-hour movie, Ellie. Patience. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, then we got to get to the good stuff. She starts talking about her apartment, Therese, right? And then Carol says another one of her beautiful lines. Invite me round. Like you do. Mm. She's got the best moves, right? I mean, A, she is just relentless with planning dates. Why don't I take you to lunch? Why don't you come over? Why don't you invite me to your place? I mean, it is just like you can't catch a break with Carol mm-hmm. around, right? And then that when they're at the house that night, she also breaks out my favorite go-to Carol move, which is the hands on the shoulders while Therese is playing the piano mm-hmm. for her. Just, it's it's a subtle touch, but you know, I think in the 50s that was like, oh, girl, we know what's going on right oh, now. Yep. <laughs> it's like pretty close to the pinky touch, I feel like. Ooh, maybe it's the 50s pinky touch, mm-hmm. the shoulder touch. <gasps> it's a generational difference. I yep. get it. Oh, I like that. It's definitely a 50s thing. And also having like the, a girl play the piano is such a thing in a 50s movie. <laughs> like it reminds me of that scene from The Notebook, except I felt like Therese sucked at piano. <laughs> it didn't sound good at all. And Carol's like, oh, it's so beautiful. She's playing dissonant chords. I'm like, What's yeah. Right. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. yeah. It's lovely. Let me touch it's your so shoulders. Beautiful. <laughs> the worst but I, I think you're right because i think it was also such a 50s thing for like everyone to have a piano in their living room mm-hmm. whereas now like we all live in shoe boxes and you know 
It's why we had to switch from the shoulder touch to the pinky touch. It's just times are a changing, guys. I'd also like to talk about here. Carol is just the definition of emotionally unavailable. I have a kid. My ex-husband's here. Yeah, and is abusive as shit. Yep. And it's the second time they've ever hung out. And Teresa's already crying. Yeah. She starts crying in the scene. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm really into this. Like, what a lesbian. (laughs) Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> While we talk about lesbian tropes, uh, let's talk about this. That is one. Um, but, I mean, she can't help it, right? She's She has been lured in by carol and i think we get some really key like just great lines when hard shows up so carol's husband comes home uh he is not pleased to find a young ingenue there uh playing the piano for her uh, and we get these really great lines of like how do you know my wife right <laughs> and of course carol's trying to explain as though it's totally normal and apparently we are meant to understand no this was not normal in the 50s either um oh she returned my gloves I'm just saying thank you, right? And you get this perfect, well, that's bold, which you are not wrong, Harge. You are not wrong. Yeah, honestly, I'm like, "Mm, I'd probably say that to Carol, too. Like, (laughs) come on. Come on, Carol. But he says it to Teresa. To be fair, it's not necessarily Teresa's fault, other than she is just eating it up. I mean, she cannot get enough. And then we have the scene where we're like, all right, Harge, you are too much. We can't deal with this. Super, the most awkward, uncomfortable hug. All these weird things are happening. And Therese is still in the house. And I just wrote in my notes, Therese, when she turns the music up, she literally turns the music up because she doesn't want to hear their conversation, is me. Like, <laughs> you, 
was like, ah, Therese, can you please turn the music up for me too? I don't want to be here. To be fair, we're going to rag on this movie because that's what we do. Even though it is, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. It's beautifully made. It's beautifully filmed. It's beautifully acted. Everything about it is just, it's film. It's cinema, you know, it is great. And so I do want to mention Therese turning the music up as hilarious as it is. Also, what I love about it is they film the fight. The fight between Carol and Harge is filmed through the window as Therese is seeing it. I mean, you do get the, the the scenes that are filmed outside as well, but an awful lot of that scene is not done with like these really close shots of them and their faces. You're seeing it kind of through this separation that Therese has, right? And what I love is because even leading up to it, the whole scene from Harge showing up, there's so many times where they're filming people from really far away, they're filming down a hallway or they're filming through a doorway. And so you get all these really nice framing shots that just create distance, right? It's just, it's a really beautiful way that they're like making all of these separations between people and sort of showing these really fractured lives that all of these people are leading. We didn't talk about the scene earlier when when Abby actually picks Carol up and she drops her at a dinner party. And at the dinner party, Carol's talking to her friend, Jeanette, that's at the party. Mm -hmm. um, and they have this whole conversation off to the side. And again, it's filmed through a window. And it's filmed through a window where they're each in a separate window frame. Even there at the party, she's separated from them, you know? I really love it. So, I mean, I get the music is kind of hilarious, but it does also really set the scene for for building this these fractured things and all these interactions between all these people that they have in this film. So... So there you go. Well done, Todd Haynes. Well done. You're brilliant, and I'm just the clown in this episode. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, whoa, are you sure you didn't study film? I promise I didn't. But tell me more. Put your hand on my shoulder. <laughs> I'm just going to rag on the movie even more, though. So here we go. Because after the scene, Therese needs to get out of there, and she gets back to her apartment as she's walking up the stairs, her phone starts ringing. Not not her phone. The building's phone. And I'm just like, did Carol time that phone call? Or has she been calling nonstop <laughs> since she left to wait until she answered? The timing is impeccable. Well done, Carol. And not only is the timing impeccable, but the conversation itself, right? Of Carol being like, sorry we didn't talk before you left. That was a shit show. But uh, can I see you tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> and Therese is like, all right. Well, because you know why? Because Carol was like, invite me round before and Therese didn't. So Carol's like, well, girl, I will take care of this for you. <laughs> Let me invite me round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Therese says, I want to ask you things. Which is possibly the gayest thing that happens in this movie, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to get to the sex scene and everything, but, like, that's that's pretty darn gay. Come on. Teach me. Teach yeah, me your ways. I have questions. Of course like, you do. Yeah, of course you of do, Therese. We all do it first. <laughs> Whew. There was no internet back then. I mean, I get it. You just had to ask. It's fine. Ask an older Carol, you know? Well, because she, she tries asking Richard first. Uh, that does oh, not go Oh, gosh. Well. Why does she do this? Yeah. You start talking to your boyfriend... If you think gay people exist, is that like the conversation she has? Like, what do you yeah, think about gay of. people? No, I mean, she kind of starts asking, like, you know, people falling in love. Like, do you just fall? Like, you know, does that happen? Like, have you ever fallen in love with a boy? Like, super subtle, Therese, super subtle. No one's picking up on anything right now. Have you ever fallen in love with a boy? Yeah, of course. And then I think, did he ask her, are you in love with a girl? Yeah. Right? Right. And she's like, no, 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 no. no. a woman, maybe not a girl. <laughs> 
she is all woman, Richard. And Richard's like, listen, Terry. And then you want to punch him in the face. Stop calling her Terry. I hate it. It's horror. It's so bad. It's the the worst. worst. It's totally going in the drinking game. Like, because I need to drink every time I hear Terry. I mean, and also not subtle in terms of being, you know, separating the difference between Carol, who who in that sultry, Therese Bellevet, what a beautiful name, and Richard, hey, Terry, no comparisons being drawn here, folks, nothing to see. Fast forward through Richard, bye, Richard, to get back to Sarah Paulson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She needs, like, her own theme song. Sarah Paulson, Sarah Paulson, <laughs> got this eye on a redhead. I think the Sarah Paulson theme song is just Ellie going <gasps> every time. <laughs> Sarah Paulson, Sarah Paulson. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, Excellent. But they have uh, this little ex lunch, right? Ex is just chatting yeah. about the new girls they're into. Like you do. And Sarah Paulson says, got my eye on this redhead. Yeah, you do. Oof. And I was like, I'm a redhead, Sarah Paulson. <laughs> Get your eye on me. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of really great lines from Sarah Paulson in this scene. She does. She, I mean, she's got some winners in this movie in general. Mm-hmm. Well, she's the voice of reason. Also, I feel like she's the one who's like, mm, are you sure you should be doing this? Yeah. She says to Carol, tell me you know what you're doing. And Carol goes, so dramatic. I don't. I never did. <laughs> Which she probably whispers, right? Yes. Yes. She Sultry whisper. so much. Drinking game every time Carol whispers. <laughs> every time. You have to give Carol credit because for a 50s housewife, dude, she knew how to court a lady, right? Because mm-hmm. I think one of the next scenes is her showing up after she invited herself over. Shows up in this red coat that is just... But bam, I mean, in your face, she's like, hey, here's what's happening. Um, Keep your eyes on me, please, at all times. And with a camera, bought to raise a camera, you know, that girl that returned your gloves from the department store and that you took out to lunch and then invited to your house and then invited you to her house to buy her a camera. (laughs) Yep. Just the most normal, you know, classic story. (laughs) Tale as old as time. (laughs) Moving very fast. Not just shows up with the camera, shows up with the camera and an invitation to go away for a while. (laughs) Carol does not move slowly. I'll tell you This is like four days after they met? I don't even think. I was going to say three. I mean... (laughs) Yeah. I think this is all very soon. I will give it to him. This is the only time that I'm like, Richard, yeah. She's leaving to go on the trip with Carol. And Richard says, you don't even know this woman. He has a little bit of a point. A little bit. But to be fair, uh, Therese is having none of it, right? Because Therese is there breaking down all these things. Like, I have never been more awake in my life. I mean, she does not want to hear it. She is going on this trip. She is using the money that they were saving for Europe. She does not want to hear about it, Richard. (laughs) Yeah, she would rather go on this car trip than go to Europe. And it is such a turning point, too, right? Because I think this, I have this note that I made is that they're in the car, they start their road trip together, and there's music playing. And until this point, there has not been an awful lot of sound uh, on some of these scenes, like someone in being in a car. It's just been silence, just dead silence, sometimes for uncomfortably long stretches oh my God. of time. So much silence. The longest silence that I documented was 45 seconds, which is a long time yeah. in a movie. 
Okay. It's, it's a long time. It's, it's long uncomfortable. Time. And I mean, I get that they're doing it so that you're uncomfortable, but still, it makes it much more noticeable when they get in the car and all of a sudden you have happy Christmas music playing and you're like, oh, happy things are happening. People are getting happy. I guess they're not going to be sad and fractured and disjointed forever. So they start their trip with some happy, jolly music playing. And one of their first stops is Therese is going to return the favor of the camera by... Uh, buying her a record. It's a record of the song she played for her on the piano, which A, gayest gift ever, uh, and B, I think is fair because when you've only really known someone for one date, what other inside jokes do you even have? <laughs> <laughs> Literally their only inside joke and she's like, right. got your present about it. It's like, remember that one time we hung out and I played the piano for you? Here's a record of that song. Well, I mean, it'd be weird if she's like, remember that one time we hung out and you had that huge fight with your husband? Here's a picture I took of you guys fighting. <laughs> Through the window. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's slim pickings uh, for her to think of a present. So well done, Therese. I mean, I'll give you credit for that. God, and I want to take a quick interlude because I know we're going to keep talking about uh, more of their, their car trip and their lesbian uh, getaway. But I think somewhere in here, uh, we have this really awesome scene, which I know you don't want to skip because it's a Sarah Paulson clapback mm. and it's amazing. Harge comes by looking for Carol at Abby's and she is not there. He's, you know, fighting, telling her he has to find her and he comes out with this. I love her. And she just goes, I can't help you with that. And slams the door slams in his face. <laughs> And it is, I think, one of the best moments ever. Sarah Paulson crushes it. Well done, Abby. Um, so that's our brief interlude for Harge and Abby. And then we can jump back to our road trip. <laughs> Thank you. We did need that interlude because classic door slam. So I want to talk just about the escalation of the flirting. We've had these weird moments. Then Carol. Carol has got moves. At one point, she's in the shower and she's like, Oh, I forgot my clothes, Therese. Could you just bring me my clothes? <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. I was naked. Oh, I'm wet <laughs> and naked? How did that happen? In the yes. shower? And there's this really weird moment, though, that I just also want to talk about. Therese smells one of Carol's shirts. Made me feel a little weird. I, I mean, don't know. I mean, you know, she's exploring these urges. It's a little weird. It's fine. It's all fine. And then Therese is trying to figure out, like, how do I flirt with women, right? As like oh, most baby gays are like, how do I show you I'm interested? And there's this scene in the car. Carol's driving and Therese is like trying to grab the steering wheel from her. Let's crash, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, especially what? in like a 1950s car. I don't think that was safe. Yeah, so not safe. But they get to their next motel, hotel motel. Uh, and I oh, think yeah. Therese is starting to pick up on what's happening now because she's having this really awesome, oh, let's take the presidential suite. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's a good deal, you know, uh, so they yeah, for take the, price. the presidential suite and then she has this really sketchy interaction at the ice machine with a dude who of course is named Tucker. Yeah, come uh, on. Of course he is because the worst dudes are always named Tucker if Winona Earp has taught us nothing. We should have known that, so... Oh, don't remind me. He's terrible. That's how we meet Tucker. That's all I want to say about it, and we're mm, going to Yeah, Tucker, we don't... But yeah, then we finally get to Waterloo. <gasps> Waterloo. Oh. Lesbian culture is Waterloo, Iowa. <laughs> when I saw it said, the subtitle said Waterloo, Iowa, I just wrote, seems like a great place for a sex scene, huh? <laughs> and it is. It right? It's a great place Not, for that. Spoiler alert, but, you know. Carol goes, Happy New Year. And it just reminds me again, 
She has literally known this woman for a month, yes. max. Uh, a month? Like a week. It was just Christmas. I'll give her 11 days, max. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, fair. And then Carol's got moves. Yeah. And that robe move, though. Yeah. The kind of subtle, I'm like, I'm hinting at it, but I'm not really showing you yet. Yeah, she just And the hands the on the shoulders again. And I'd just like to say, I love Debs, but... I gotta say the sex scene's a better sex scene than the Deb's sex scene. Gives us a lot more detail, you know? And I can confirm that this is true by the fact that my note during this is Ellie made pterodactyl noises through this entire scene. <laughs> that sounds Just about right. like high-pitched squeaking squawks is all that happened. <laughs> if you want to know what this scene sounded like to me watching this movie, I don't, I don't movie, think I can replicate that's it. That's what it was. Uh, pterodactyl Ellie... Having a having a blast. Yep. And uh, Lee said, which is true, pillow princess much about Therese. Well, she was a little bit. She was kind of a pillow princess. There's no way that girl reciprocated. <laughs> Just saying. I'm like, come on. Carol's a very giving woman. Then they wake up the next morning. We have to come back to Waterloo. Therese says, where are we again? And Carol says what we're all thinking. Waterloo. Isn't that awful? <laughs> yes, but it wasn't it is. awful. It was wonderful for them. Yeah, but the name, like to have sex in Waterloo, come on. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Not sexy. So uh, I want to jump in to our Waterloo, Iowa discussion because I have a very special Christmas present for Ellie, which is... Oh my goodness. I know, and you're so excited because I've been telling you about this all week and you have no idea what it is. <laughs> so I wrote a, a very Christmassy song about Carol. Uh, and by song, I mean spoof. But I wrote us a carol version of my favorite things just for you. So debut performance of this on our podcast. Um, so <clears throat> I'm still getting over my cold a little bit, but I, I want to gift you this song that I wrote just for you, Ellie. OK, well, and, oh and for all of you guys. OK, <clears throat> take it away. Raindrops on windows and faces in shadow. Women in love who like smoking tobacco. Lingering True. glances that can't be contained. These are why Carol's a lesbian fave. Girls dropping <laughs> dudes who treat them like possessions. Candid photography of your obsession. Lesbian besties who keep throwing shade. These are my carols, a lesbian fave. Court injunction, love disruption, skies are looking gray. But then I remember that Waterloo scene and life gets a bit more gay. <laughs> Merry Christmas, yes. everyone. There you go. That was incredible. <laughs> That's the nicest Christmas present ever. Merry Christmas to everyone, you guys. <laughs> Merry Christmas, gays. <sighs> That's amazing. So there you Thank go. You Inspired by Waterloo, Iowa, our very own Carol Favorite Things. It is a harsh letdown after Waterloo, Iowa evening to Waterloo, Iowa morning where... Ugh, Tucker the fucker is going to show up again and ruin everything. Yeah, honestly, like, the worst morning after ever. To have your first lesbian experience and then the morning after you have to deal with this pervert. He's terrible. I don't want to even spend any time on him. It's just awful. Carol pulls a gun. That's pretty badass. But let's leave it at that. What I do want to highlight before we move on to the sort of, you know ending of their little road trip extravaganza is Therese has these two great lines that I have to call out because they're going to be important to my next, you know, film critique analysis at, at the end. 
two great lines that she says in the car after this whole scene is, I should have said no to you, but I never say no. Um, and she says, I don't know what I want and how could I when all I ever do is say yes to everything. So keep those lines in mind, listeners. They are very important. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to do is jump to another hotel somewhere that is not Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, they have an excellent evening of, you know, tr getting in separate beds and Carol saying, you don't have to sleep over there in that sultry Carol way. We're going to have a slight reprise of Waterloo. Uh, but then I think this is what what you really mean is the worst morning after ever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because she wakes up alone and Carol's ex is sitting in the room staring at yeah, her. Yeah, Sarah Paulson, like smoking a cigarette in the corner. So <laughs> just being so sexy. I mean, not a bad morning after for me, but, you know, <laughs> not what Therese her, was hoping probably. for. Yeah, probably not. And then the note that Carol leaves her, I release you. Like, yeah. come on, Carol, that's so dramatic. I mean, it is dramatic, but, like, everything about this is, like, dramatic lesbian 101, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, that is, like, quintessential. I also think driving back to New York from Iowa with your girlfriend's ex is, like, the most lesbian thing I've ever seen. So that's kind of classic. <laughs> For our listeners, we take little notes. We write an outline before. And I wrote my notes. Lee wrote her notes. And at this point, I just wrote... <laughs> After the sex scene, I got bored and I stopped taking yeah. notes. Like there literally had no, were no notes more for the notes rest for the, the rest of the movie for me. <laughs> it's a good thing I was paying attention still. It's okay. We do have an end to the movie, you guys, but we are well, we're going to skip right on through it because let's be real, we all just want to get to the end and find out what happens to Carol and Therese. So let's get there. We have all of these scenes of Therese, after having been dropped hard by Carol, uh, developing her photos from the trip, she tries to call Carol. It is angsty, lesbian angsty. It is kind of great. Um, Carol sits there and just listens to her, but doesn't say anything on the phone and then hangs up. You know, every every classic Usual. move. I do want to call out one scene that I had notes on because there's this great scene where Carol is uh, at dinner with Harger's family trying to win her way back into her daughter's life. And my one note on that is who eats mashed potatoes just by themselves? Who just gets an extra serving of mashed potatoes with nothing else? She's like, oh, yes, they were delicious. Nobody wants plain mashed potatoes. Come on. That's weird. You eat them with something. Uh, I don't think psychotherapy's been working out too hot for you, Carol. That's a weird thing to do. So, yeah, you're getting weirder and weirder. <laughs> weirder and weirder. Um, but Harge's mom seems into it, so I guess that's good for you. I do like there's this whole scene between her and Harge where Carol oh, yeah. says... And the lawyers. Like, moment of lesbian liberation. What use am I to her if I go against my grain? Yeah. Yes, Carol, you're right. What that, use are you to your daughter if you're in the closet? I appreciate you. It is a really powerful scene, I think, for the time period, too, mm -hmm. right? Because she does, I mean, she breaks that out there, and it's like, you know, in the 50s, this was not, like, it was not really, I think, a, a very well-characterized thing to say, like, oh, gay people are just, you know, there wasn't born that way back then, you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it did not, that was not a thing yet. And so I think it's a really gut-punching line for her to come out with, right? Like, what good am I if I'm just trying to be something that I'm not? I think that, go you, Carol. Yeah. yeah. She also has this other great line in that scene with the lawyers that I love where, you know, she she ends on this great, uh, if we go to court, 
things will get ugly. And we're not ugly people, Harge. And I love it because it's like, yes, she's talking about them, but I also feel like she's, like, working in, like, another, like, gay liberation statement, you know? So, like... We're not ugly people. You're right, because you're so beautiful, Carol. Uh, and then, I mean, I think from there, we've almost made it back. I mean, there's sort of the, the invitation she invites Trey's back to dinner, um, but we've kind of made our way back full circle to that opening scene again. And now we know the whole backstory. We know everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we know all of the feelings that are being felt right now. <laughs> and I know you were talking about everything staying the same, all those themes. But there's one thing that's not the same, and it's Teresa's haircut. <laughs> and it just keeps getting worse and worse. I'm like, honey, no. Yeah, it's not a, it's not the best look. I mean, but you know who looks amazing and she's rocking the X look is Carol. Oof. She's like, yeah, oh, yeah you wish you want me back, huh? <laughs> Carol is winning this breakup. She's got the outfit. She's got the lipstick. Her look is on point right now. Yeah, absolutely. She's feeling real confident, too, because she asked Therese after a uh, breakup. All this time apart, first time meeting again, move in with me? Oh my god. And this is what I'm saying, what I was saying earlier about sometimes Carol, Carol just says what she means, even when she shouldn't, right? Yeah, you haven't talked to her in months, a year? I mean, we don't really get a clear uh, passage of time how long it's been here. That's like her opening line. Oh, the apartment's a nice big one. Big enough for two? That's what you lead with? Not, hello, nice to see you. What have you been nice up to? Nice haircut? <laughs> nice haircut. What? Just, you know, let's you haul. I I mean, it. the lesbian in me is impressed. Uh, the person in me is a little concerned, you know. I think this also brings it all together. For me, this is the ultimate cuffing season movie. Okay, and tell me what cuffing season is. Okay, so cuffing season is the time between December and February where it gets colder, so people want to be inside and snuggle more, and you have all the holidays, you have New Year's, and you have Valentine's Day, so you try to lock someone down as a couple during cuffing season. It's a thing. People couple off like crazy. Swear okay. to God. I'll, I'll take that. I believe yeah. it. I could see that. It's real. Oh, uh, well, we've all learned something tonight, listeners. I learned what cuffing season is. It's a real yeah. thing. Yep. We have another lesbian moment here because both of Carol's exes, Therese and Abby, are now best friends with each other. Yeah, are they? They don't really, like, you never see them together, but they kind of, like, hint They at always it. are talking about each other. She's like, yeah, I saw Abby the other day. We were just hanging out. Abby's like, oh, Therese says hi. Like, what? Uh, okay, but let's get to the real crux of this scene, because I think the most important thing is Carol shows back up in Therese's life, invites her to move in with her, and what does Therese say? No. She says no, you guys. She says no. And that's huge. Remember remember before how I said to keep those uh those lines in mind? Girl says no for like the first time in the damn movie, right? Here's the thing though. That is a huge question. Of course, like, I'm glad she said no. If she said yes, like, that girl has some issues. No, yeah, she says no. She says no, but we're going to talk about it more. What I do want to talk about right now, though, is Carol's face when she says Mm. it. Oh, my God, Kate Blanchett, your heart is breaking all over your face, and it's breaking mine, and my face was breaking, and everything broke. (laughs) It was real bad. Yeah. 
Oh, it was no good at all. I can't handle feelings right now. It's a little emotional. And she says, I love you. Oh, mm. she's like breaking out all the stops. I mean, she is like not not backing down until she tries everything. She goes to leave and she does the hand on the shoulder again. She's like, maybe this will work again. <laughs> no, poor Carol. Poor Carol. I mean, it was it was rough. It was a little rough. It was rough. And Teresa's just going to go to a party. She's like, sorry yeah. I broke your heart, Carol. Gotta hit this party up. Gotta see my peeps, you know. And then she goes to the party. There are a lot of weird things about the party. Number one, she walks in, everyone's slow dancing in the living room, which I guess is a 1950s yes. thing, but, like, people don't do that at a party. <laughs> no, but we should. I mean, that's, like, the party that Carol went to before where you had all the, the dudes in, like, their white suit jackets playing brass instruments, and I'm like, I want a brass band at a party in my house. Come on. We're doing parties all wrong. If you throw a 50s theme party, I will come and slow dance in your living room. I'll be slow dancing alone, but, like, I'll be there. I'll get a brass band. <laughs> we'll do some slow dancing. It's going to be awesome. I'm super It'll be amazing. Excited. And then, also, it's, like, what, 9 p.m., and people are passed out, wasted. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they partied hard in the 50s, okay? Crazy. But she doesn't stay at that party at 9 p.m. because... Carol had invited her to a 9 p.m. thing with just some friends, and Therese had said no, uh, just like she said no to moving in. And what do we see in our final scenes of this movie but Therese showing up to Carol's 9 p.m. dinner, which, stark contrast to Carol's face (laughs) breaking all over the place, you know, five minutes ago, her face, when she sees Therese walk in that room, I mean, it is just sunshine and puppies and rainbows all over the place. Uh, And I want to take a quick second to talk about why Therese shows up. Because she said she wouldn't, right? She said she wouldn't be there. She said no. She said she didn't want to move in together. And I think that she is full of shit. Yep. (laughs) I think she's all full of shit. But I think that the character arc of Therese in this movie is that she had to say no and she had to show Carol that she could say no, that she was a different person now. She was not the naive young girl who didn't know what she wanted and just said yes to everything and dictated her life according to everyone else around her. She is a professional woman now who can say no when she damn well pleases and who knows very well that she still wants Carol. Thank you very much. Uh, And that is my interpretation of the end of this movie, and I will hear no other. (laughs) It's a beautiful interpretation. I'm sure there are others, but that's Honestly, there's nothing left to say. Today's film analysis is brought to you by chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. I think this brings us to our Les Centrals drinking game, because we have to have a drinking game for every Les Centrals. Yes. And here are my rules, all right? Every time that Carol whispers, which is a lot, every time Therese stares behind a rain-dropped window... If it's not raindropped, <laughs> don't drink. She stares behind a lot of windows. Every time Sarah Paulson shows up, because <laughs> need a drink to cool down, obviously. Um, this one's my favorite. It's going to get you real messed up. Waterfall. Ellie's trying to kill you. Does everyone know what a waterfall is? So when you, when you do a waterfall, one person starts drinking, and you have to go all the way around the circle until the first person stops. But you're going to waterfall every time there is silence until the next time someone says something. That is a rough one in this movie, yeah. man. Especially the beginning. Yeah. So take that as you will. Be responsible, kids. Every time Richard calls Therese Terry, every time they say the word Waterloo, anytime Carol gives face, which is a lot. Like, she's got good face. Kate Blanchett crushes mm. this movie, man. She really does. 
Then when you see Teresa in a Santa hat, because it's so cute, and Ugh. we just you just gotta take take a drink for the Santa hat. One for the season, you mm-hmm. guys. Why not? I feel like we're gonna start need to start uh, including disclaimers of like we claim no responsibility for anyone who dies of <laughs> uh, alcohol poisoning as a result of our drinking game. Yes, you don't have to do all of these things, and you can also drink apple juice. Okay, sparkling apple cider. Um, but guess what? It's time for Ellie. <gasps> Q and Gay. It's time for Q and Gay. Q, 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 Q and, and, and Gay. I have them for you this week, and I'm so excited. Okay, are you ready? Because yes. I'm going to jump us off. Question one. That hot woman you rang up at the store invites you over on Sunday. Do you go? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. Uh, well, on that note, question two. Are you still besties with any of your exes? Um... No. Oh, how very non-lesbian. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, question three. What is your preferred method of communication when wooing a lady friend? Phone call, text, snail mail, or show up at her place? I'm going to have to go with show up at her place. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> but re- realistically, it's just text. Totally appropriate. Uh, what is your go-to move for said lady friend? Steamy lingering glances, hands on the shoulder, invite her on a trip, or kiss her? Ooh, I have to go with kisser, super basic, but I (laughs) wish I was bold enough to do the hand-shoulder thing. Don't we all, man? Okay, what's the fastest you've ever moved in with a girl? And I'm going to quantify these as as minimum. So uh, one year or more, uh, one month or more, one week or more, or one day or more. Um, Okay, depends on your definition to move in. (laughs) I'm just going to go with the conservative one month. I think that still uh, tops Carol, though. Yeah, so I think I did ahead. pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last question. What would you rather get for Christmas? A camera, a train set, a record, or a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that last one. <laughs> I'm going to go with a record. <laughs> okay. A little music. Classic. Yeah. Classic. An acapella record, perhaps? Yeah, obviously. Oh my gosh, I'm crying. <laughs> There you go. You're Q and Gay. You're welcome. Remember, for our listeners, you can give us your own answers to this episode's Q and Gay questions on our Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. And you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook at Les Hangout Pod. Or you can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at leshangoutpod.com. And if you want to find me, you can find me at leb2792 on Instagram and Twitter. And the best place to find me is on Twitter at LSH Foster. For now, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out. out.